It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right now, it. the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got an interesting one today. We're playing catch-up a little bit, but we're going to do some interesting pairings this first hour. We're going to start out with uh, Dr. Stephen Rodella. He is the director of the Office of Defects Investigation at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Try and say that three times really fast. Anyway, uh, Stephen uh, wants to talk about uh, recalls and... Uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about vehicle recalls, and we're pairing that up this hour with uh, a conversation with uh, Adrian Woodland from AAA, talking about a survey they did on uh, road rage. So eh, they're sort of sort of related. And then uh, coming up in the second hour of our three-hour tour, we're gonna talk with um, A.J. Barkley from. Uh, Bank of America, I believe. Let me make sure I got that right. Yeah. And uh, she's going to talk about first-time home buying. She is the uh, neighborhood lending executive at Bank of America. And uh, so we're going to talk with uh, AJ um, during the second hour of our three-hour tour. And uh, we're teaming that up with uh, 
part of an interview I did with Linda Gartz, who had written the book Redlined, which is uh, kind of related to, to home buying. And then uh, and we're going to move into the third half of our three-hour tour and talk with uh, Brian Carberry, um, who uh, I think is with um, Rent.com. I think he's their managing editor. In any event, he's going to talk about a survey they did on, uh, yeah, he's uh, um, from Rent.com, talking about cities with the cheapest rent in the U.S. That may be of uh, interest to, to some people. And uh, let's see, are we pairing that up with anything? Nope, that's that's it during the third half of our three-hour tour so anyway i hope you uh i i hope you enjoy this mix of uh conversations it's a chance for us to catch up on some interviews that were pre-recorded and didn't uh didn't air right away so we just kind of pulled them all together to make this uh this show for today and uh this show is pre-recorded um but uh being played back in this time with uh, all new all new interviews so it's, it's just as if we were doing it live anyway stay tuned and we'll uh, kick things off with uh, Dr. Stephen Rodella about uh, vehicle recalls that's coming up straight ahead <music> And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, my my guest this hour is um, Director of the Office of Defects Investigation at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and it's apropos that we have uh, Dr. Stephen Riddell with us as, uh, well, March uh, 8th through March 12th is Vehicle Safety Recalls Week, but there's a week for everything, folks. Um, and it and it comes around um, the the switch from daylight savings time, and and I'm a little curious about that. But we're going to talk about that vehicle safety and recalls and a lot more with Dr. Stephen Riddell. He joins me by phone. Stephen, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you. Good um, to be here. Why exactly is? Uh, National um, Safety Recalls Week tied to Daylight Savings Time? Well, it's just a great opportunity. It's a really good question. It's a great opportunity time for people when they change their light bulbs, they change their smoke alarms, they do all sorts of things in the spring. One more thing to do is to just check for recalls. Um, recalls are very prevalent these days. Um, last year alone in 2020, in a COVID year, there were almost 900 recalls involving 55 million vehicles and automotive equipment. So it's likely that you may have had a recall. So we think people should just check for, see if they have an open recall in their vehicle. If they find they do, they can take it to their dealer and get it fixed for free. Now, Stephen, your background is in automotive uh, engineering, we'll say, um, and, and you worked for General Motors at, at one time. How is it that so many vehicles are passing through the the quality controls that are set up by auto manufacturers? 
Well, uh, it's a good question also, but as you know, I think that cars are one of the most complex things that are made these days. They're made of thousands of parts from thousands of different uh, many, uh, suppliers. They all got to come together in this, you know, one piece, and they're making them by the millions. So a defect, Tom, is either from manufacturing, from performance, or from design. So something can go wrong in all three of those things, and, and my office is always there every day looking for those defects, as well as the manufacturers are. So it's not uncommon to have these days because of the complexity of cars, but rest assured that our, between ourselves and the manufacturers, we're, we're finding those defects, and because of recalls, we're getting them fixed. So it's not just a quality issue, but sometimes it's just uh, things that just happen when things are mass-produced like that. How are um, defects discovered? You say that, that you're looking for them, the companies are looking for them, but very often they end up being reported by the consumer. How 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 are most defects discovered? Well, you just mentioned it perfectly. We have a, a website as well as a hotline that people can uh, type in their their vehicle information. If they feel they've got an issue with their vehicle that's safety-related, they can go to our website, nhtsa.gov, and uh, slash recalls. They can go to that portal and find uh, ways to impl- uh, input uh, you know, their, their defect they think they have in their vehicle. And our staff at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration reads them every day. We get literally thousands of them every year. Last year, even during COVID, we got over 60,000 complaints from, from people across the country. Manufacturers are also required to submit to us a lot of data. Um, this is due to a lot of issues that happened in the past, with things like the Firestone tires and GM ignition switch and the Takata airbag recall. We get a lot of information from the manufacturers. Those manufacturers send it to us. We analyze that data. They're analyzing their own internal data. And what we've found is over the last several years, by doing all that data analysis, uh, we're catching those defects, we're seeing what's going on, and we can get them fixed. A lot of recalls lately have been smaller numbers of vehicles per recall. That's a good thing because we're catching things sooner and getting them fixed. You know, I've been around a long time, Stephen, and I've I've owned many cars <laughs> over the years and um but very rarely have i been in a position to buy a car brand new you know i'm always buying a car second or third hand and i still uh-huh. i still manage to get notices from dealers about recalls how and i've always wondered how is that possible when I didn't buy the car from a dealer and I didn't buy it new? Is it through the Secretary of State using VIN numbers? You know, how am I being tracked down? <laughs> That's a really good question also. So um, when a recall does happen, uh, manufacturers usually have the registered owner of that vehicle. If they don't, they go to services that find, especially as you say, second and third-hand cars. They know initially who bought the car, but they may not know the second or third-hand owner. They're getting information about uh, who got, who, uh, who's got that vehicle through registration and other data that's out there. And then they're required by law when a recall happens to send a first-class letter to the person they think owns the vehicle. So by getting that letter, they're, they're basically uh, tracking you down because they have to. They have to get that letter to you. And if it gets to the right person, the person sees a the letter, then they can take that to the dealer and say, "Hey, uh, let's I can get my can I get my vehicle fixed?" Dealers also are working with their manufacturers 
um, to look at lists of people. You may get a call from a dealer, say, hey, uh, your, your vehicle popped up on our radar. We know it's got an open recall. Come on and get it fixed. So um, we're trying anything we can to get people to come in and get those recalls fixed because they are always, as we know, uh, recalls are a safety risk. They're an unreasonable risk of safety, and it's just best to get them fixed. Now, I, I know for certain that I have ignored those a couple of times. Does that happen frequently, or am I just have I just gone rogue? No, it's it's a it's an issue. Um, we know there's convenience factors involved, and, and people have a busy lives, and, and especially in, in COVID times, it's been difficult to get people to come to dealerships. But people have dealers have precautions put in place. They're doing things even remote uh, fixing of vehicles now. They're going to your house with mobile repair services. They're going really? picking up your car at uh, your house and bringing it to the dealership um, and then returning it to you. So a lot of innovative things have happened so that it makes people feel at ease and also uh, it just gets that, it takes that convenience factor away in, in terms of letting people get their cars fixed without a whole lot of, of imposition on their time uh, and their safety. So um, we're seeing that more and more. It's a good thing because... Um, not just a convenience. Some people, uh, you know, don't get it either. They, they get a, they get so much mail that it, it, they just have to throw it out. But, but we, we see that because the, the letters are actually very well written and they also have a lot of uh, uh, markings on the, on, the, on, the, on the front of the envelope that says, you know, safety recall. So it, it does catch your eye. But uh, we're seeing manufacturers being even more innovative with additional mailings, additional phone calls, texting, anything to get the, get a hold of the right person. But, Stephen, I think sometimes, you know, I, I know in my case, someone else has owned this car for, you know, at least a couple of years, um, and, and I've had it for a year. I get a recall notice, and I think if a problem hasn't shown up by now, um, I, I guess I don't have anything to worry about. How common is that, and how wrong is that <laughs> to to just assume that the problem, well, if the yeah, problem hasn't it, shown up, it's not going to? Well, it's just that it can show up. Um, by having a recall, that means we've seen, you know, a very, very large frequency of, of the potential defect in the, in the um, whatever component was affected. Uh, will every component be affected? No. Manufacturers are required to tell us when they when they send us a recall notice how many vehicles they think of you know, that total population are affected. Uh, sometimes they think they put a really small number, but we, you know, it, it's not something that people should take lightly. It can affect anybody, and I think it's just best to say, look, if you get that recall notice, regardless of if you haven't seen the problem or not, it can come up, it can happen. Sometimes the defect uh, is... Uh, now, the detectability is very, very small, and so it could just happen quickly, like the Takata airbag recall. Um, you know, an airbag is sitting in your wheel. You have no idea whether that's, that one's defective or not. We just say, go get it fixed because the potential is there, and you'll never know if it's a bad one or not. So it's just best to take it and get it fixed, regardless of if you've not seen or felt the issue in your particular vehicle. More about vehicle safety recalls with Dr. Stephen Ridella from the Office of Defects Investigation at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about vehicle safety recalls with Dr. Stephen Ridella from the Office of Defects Investigation at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, straight ahead. You know, I, I mentioned, Stephen, that uh, uh, your resume includes uh, um, engineering and management positions in a number of different places, including General Motors Research Labs. Mm-hmm. And you went to school at um, University of Michigan and then Wayne State, and then yes, I did. Gothenburg, Sweden. How, how did you end up educating most of your... Uh, most of your education in Michigan and then pop over to Sweden for some. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm born and bred a, a Michigander and Detroiter. My, my dad worked for GM for 37 years. Um, and, uh, I got into the industry, um, after, after my days in Michigan to, uh, you know, got into to research, safety research. Uh, it's been in my blood since, uh, since I finished my, my college days. So I've been in automotive safety research and, and development and, and uh, airbag development, seatbelt development. Um, and I, I, like a lot of people, think uh, learning is lifelong. So uh, I had an opportunity uh, with some people that I had met uh, in my networking throughout my years of, of work that uh, actually um, uh, had ties to the University, uh, Chalmers University in Gothenburg, Sweden. And uh, they said, hey, uh, that's a very international school, by the way. They, they accept a lot of international students and said, you know, do you want to finish a doctorate? And so in, in over the years, I've worked at it. And in 2017, I finished my, my doctorate at, uh, at Thomas University. So it was, uh, it was uh, very, uh, um, you know, as I said, I'd just like to keep learning. That's uh, something I do, and, and it was an opportunity uh, to do that. So, um, long way from Michigan, but, um, small world these days. <laughs> well, I just, that just jumped off the page at me, Stephen. I, I thought, well, that's, that's an interesting <laughs> educational path. I haven't seen that one before. Um, but, uh, <laughs> getting back to the, the idea of, um, of, of recalls, it, you know, when I, I remember, you know, going back to the uh, the 70s when i was first driving and and buying cars mm-hmm. um recalls were really uncommon you know it was pretty rare to get a recall notice now it seems like it happens right. all the time are we just getting better at finding problems yeah we are i i actually remember the first time I heard the word recall, my dad had a 68 Chevy Bel Air and uh, General Motors at the time had, a, uh, was, was, um, had an issue. And um, NHTSA, the agency I work for, um, asked GM to recall these vehicles and and, uh, and they ended up doing it. It was the biggest recall at the time. Um, and so, you know, those were very rare at the time. But now because of all the data that we have, and, and I say cars are, as you know, I worked on cars in the seventies. They were a lot less complex than they are now, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> and there's I think a lot more to because, go wrong now. <laughs> they're a lot more complex. Uh, there's a lot more issues that could happen. Um, and I think, just in general, um, you know, it's a it's a safer thing to do. There may have been recalls in the past that, that didn't happen uh, when, for whatever reason, but I think because of of uh, people's awareness of safety. You know, safety 30 years ago was a lot less than it is now. People are buying cars 
because of their safety features, um, and they expect those safety features to work, um, any feature in the vehicle to work, really. So um, we feel that, uh, um, you know, because there's a lot to detect, there's a lot to look at, um, it's just something that um, over the years has just increased. So we feel that uh, it's, it's, a, it's not that there's more things going wrong, it's just we're able to find things because we have the information and the systems are more complex. And and recalls aren't just for the cars themselves, but sometimes for uh, various uh, accessories or equipment like tires or or car seats. Excellent point. It's exactly um, equipment recalls like tires. You said um, uh, child seats. Uh, we take a, a special interest in child seats. We're always looking for information, asking consumers to send in their child seat registration so that if they do get a recall on them. They are able to take the, you know, send them back, really, or just exchange them because that's how those recalls usually operate. So yeah, there's a lot of equipment recalls per year, uh, less than in total vehicle recalls, but um, we keep an eye on all those different pieces of, of equipment and, and accessories in the vehicle that are also subject to recalls uh, on a, you know, on a daily basis. We're looking for those. So we've seen tires, we've seen even fire extinguishers, uh, all sorts of different things on vehicles that could be considered accessories, but are under our jurisdiction to, um, to enforce recalls. Um, the, the design of, of child seats for cars, does that happen in tandem with auto manufacturers, or are these companies that make the seats uh, just doing their own thing with a one-size-fits-all approach? No, I think there's better... Uh, communication between you know, child seat makers and, uh, and manufacturers. They look at the, the, the designs of seats in the in the vehicles, um, potentially tailoring their seats to make sure that they fit properly. Um, there are rules for for fitting vehicles. You know, there's a there's a whole process, a whole certification process for putting a child seat into a vehicle um, that that it, so it's done properly. We have people that do those checks all the time uh, around the country. So there's uh, consumers uh, need to work with their their child seat manufacturer, look at their manuals, read it properly, make sure that that child seat's installed safely. If it's not, to take it to a professional. Uh, there's a lot of uh, child seat safety checks that go on around the country every year that people can uh, get their seats, uh, you know, make sure that it's installed properly because a safely installed seat uh, and a child in that seat is very safe for that child. Now, you mentioned that um, dealers are required to, to fix the recall. Um, I'm not sure if you mentioned that that those those fixes are at no charge to the owner, but does that also apply to second and third hand car owners? I, I always wonder about that. Recalls are free regardless of who the owner is. Um, they are free from the, the dealer must replace or replace repair or, or um, refund. Uh, that's the that's the main thing about recalls. But yeah, regardless of who the owner is, second, third, fourth owner, uh, if they get a recall notice, they can definitely take it into the dealership for a free fix. That is, um, that's the rule. And and uh, under what conditions would somebody take a refund rather than a, a replacement or a repair? Uh, could be a lot of different reasons um, for for that. Uh, mostly times it is actually a repair or replacement of the part, but it's not available or. Uh, the person is, is um, 
for whatever reason has has to have a vehicle has to have a vehicle that can get a refund not often that that happens but occasionally it does but but it is one of the one of the remedies right it's one of the remedies that that's required under our under our statute yes how often does it happen that that you don't find the cars that need to be recalled but the people who own the car does and what should they do? If I'm, sure I'm not sure I get that question again. Yeah, hey, I didn't ask it very well, Stephen. Uh, let me let me put it this way: If somebody discovers okay. that there's a defect in their car and they haven't been notified, uh, what should they do? That's a really good question. We have a again, like I said earlier, we have a way people can submit complaints to us. On our website, as I said earlier, nhtsa.gov slash recalls, there's a, there's a portal there that can put their complaint in and say, hey, I was driving my car and I heard a noise or something didn't feel right or it, it unexpectedly went off the road. There's all sorts of ways to complain about that and, and put it in there so my staff can understand, even interview you, um, if we want to follow up on what we consider a safety issue. Um, there's also a hotline they can call. It's, it's, I'll just give that number to you. It's one eight eight eight. Three two seven four two three six. People can call that. We've got operators that are standing by who can take down the same information that somebody would put on the website, but they can also talk through the, the whole situation. Our operators take that down. That gets sent to my staff on a daily basis for review. So um, it's a great way to understand. You know, they let us understand what your problem is, and if we see a lot of those uh, same issues submitted to us. Um, my staff will propose opening maybe an investigation to, to look into that defect. Uh, and if we see enough of them, we can talk to the manufacturer, and even a recall may occur. So submitting those complaints is really important for people to do because that gives us the idea of a potential problem happening. <laughs> How often does it happen, Stephen, that somebody uh, contacts your agency about just a, a maintenance issue, you know, or or says, "Hey, uh, when I turn my car off, it goes rumble, rumble, boing." <laughs> <laughs> we get we get a lot of different complaints. Absolutely, Tom. I would think um, people will complain, and that's okay. Um, we we want people to err on the side of, of of safety. So if they feel they've got an issue, they can go ahead and complain. We we um, we probably raise what we say. We we get a complaint and we look at it. About half the complaints we get are like that. It basically says, you know, my car didn't sound right, but there's nothing specific there that points to a defect. Um, sometimes they're even complaining about the noise it makes or, or a color, the color or the smell of it. And those aren't, <laughs> those are particularly, you know, safety related. But, you know, we read them every day and we disposition them because, as I said, they're coming in, you know, we get several hundred every day. And, and I have staff that read those every day. And, um, we're using more advanced techniques to, to link different issues together, computer techniques, you know, look at big data, if you will, to try to figure out if there is really a safety issue as we, uh, as we look at these different complaints. And the data I mentioned earlier that the manufacturers are required to send to us. Now, Stephen, you said that um, you spent most of your career in uh, um, vehicle safety, um, studying, engineering, mm -hmm. and, and so on. Um, what what interested you in in that part of uh, automotive engineering to begin with? 
I was doing my uh, my master's degree at Michigan in uh, bioengineering, and I had a, a course uh, in biomechanics from a professor who uh, actually became very, very famous for his work in um, safety of race car drivers, Dr. John Melvin. And Dr. Melvin uh, actually came to work for General Motors before I left, and um, uh, was was kind of curious. Uh, after uh, he had taught me biomechanics, he actually came to work for General Motors and left the University of Michigan. And uh, he became involved in the motorsports aspects, safety aspects at General Motors and beyond that. Um, and was very instrumental in helping race car drivers um, uh, get have their vehicles and their safety features enhanced in those vehicles. Because, as you know, those vehicles crash at amazing speeds, yet those guys walk away. Uh, so he he was very uh, very uh, uh, instrumental in, in my decision to apply to General Motors and and to look for a job in automotive safety. So um, that's where my inspiration came from. And as I got into it, I just thought it was fascinating to see uh, how how we could protect people in in crashes. Um, and cars have gotten a lot safer over the last thirty years, forty years. We've seen tremendous uh, improvements in in vehicle. Crash safety and restraint development, and uh, there's airbags now. There's like 10 to 12 airbags in a car. There were no airbags in the cars back in the 70s, <laughs> uh, uh, except for some early early General Motors ones that that uh, um, they used for a while. But um, now there's just incredible amounts of safety features on cars that keep people safe. So it's great to see over the over the course of my career how. Um, how um, safer cars have gotten, and our own data shows that that the the rate of traffic fatalities per per you know per whatever miles driven has been uh, steadily decreasing over the same time frame. Do you know who uh, Shirley Muldowney is? She was a fairly uh, famous. Uh, uh, wasn't she? A, wasn't she a driver also? Yeah, she was a, a race car driver, and and uh, I, I interviewed her one right. time, and she said. Well, and in those days, we weren't driving around baby carriages like they are today. <laughs> she was talking about the improvement, <laughs> the improvements to safety. It was just, it was kind of funny, and and I'll I'll never remember that. And and she was, um, she was actually uh, in a very nasty car crash that laid her up for a couple of years. Um. And uh, and so, it, it it is important not just in everyday driving, but in uh, in sports driving, as as you just pointed out. For the rest of us who just spend a lot of our time stuck in traffic, um, how does it how does it work when you go in and and get a recall? Should you keep the document that you? The notice that you got, and and just drive to a dealer of that particular brand and and hand them the recall notice. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. I mean, they they have the information because what when a recall is is um, uh, announced by a manufacturer, they're required to um, submit or at least put in a database, their own database, uh, a uh, the vehicle identification number. So that number is unique to every vehicle, as you know. So they have to do that. So they, those, those go out to all the dealers and um, for that particular um, uh, manufacturer. Uh, but if that person does get that letter, of course they should take that letter to the dealership. Call first to make an appointment. Um, dealers um, prefer that. Make that appointment, take it in, and, um, and get it fixed. And then keep the documentation saying that you've gotten it fixed. So... 
once the vehicle is fixed, that VIN is removed from the database, so we know it's been fixed. So if the next person buys a vehicle, they check their VIN in our. And in fact, I need to mention that we have a we have a, a service also that is a, a VIN lookup tool, if you will, that allows you to enter your 17-digit vehicle identification number, and you it comes back and tells you whether or not you have an open recall on your car. So even if you don't get that order, so you may have thrown it out accidentally. It's just good to check that VIN um, on our website. Um, you can do that, as I said, in the springtime. You can do it in the fall twice a year or even monthly. Also, Tom, just want to make sure uh, yeah, people know, we've got a, an app also. I was going to uh, ask, shouldn't there be an app for that? <laughs> there exactly is an app. We've got an app called Safer Car, S-A-F-E-R-C-A-R, Safer Car app. It's downloadable for both uh uh, Android and uh, on Apple phones. Um, when you put that in, it's the coolest thing about the app is you put your VIN in. You can set up a, your own virtual garage for yourself or all your family members' cars, even friends' cars if you want to. Tires as well as uh, as your child seat if you have a child seat. And if the recall is 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 um, no uh, announced by a manufacturer, you'll get pinged and you'll know instantly that you've got a recall on your car. Um, you can wait for the notice, um, but if you get it, you can call. In fact, you can get information about the closest dealership on the app. It's really cool. So you've got you've got the peace of mind in, on your phone, walking around all the time that um, that your car is being monitored for recalls. Uh, it's just the coolest thing, and, and we encourage people to download it um, and use it every day. Now, the VIN, the vehicle identification number, where would people find that? question um it is uh, on the on the driver's side the lower part of the windshield it's there stamped on a piece of plastic you can see it through the window um one place to look it's stamped in several places around the car uh in the side of the driver's side door jam there's a there's a, a sticker there that has the vehicle identification number it's also on your vehicle registration so there's many places you can find it um it's 17 digits tough to memorize so you've got peace of mind knowing it's in several places <laughs> that you can just check and write it down and use it <laughs> that's that's uh that's good to know are our dealers um are they pretty cooperative with this program or um should people be a, a little bit concerned that you know when they pull into a dealer they're going oh no another one of those 98 buick regals <laughs> <laughs> No, dealers, dealers, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in, they're in with us to, as well as the manufacturer. Manufacturers are communicating with all their dealerships to, to, you know, take recall seriously, get their vehicles fixed. Um, you know, a happy customer is a good customer. Um, and taking care of their vehicles regardless of its age is, is what uh, all dealers, uh, are trained to do. So, um, people should not feel like like the dealers uh, somebody they, they don't want to go to. They should go there and get it done because the dealer is the place where it's uh, it's done correctly. Well, any any uh, any final thoughts, Stephen? Um, we're we're almost out of time. Like I said, the stop start. You know, we take recalls really seriously. Uh, my office is is looking every day for defects um, and. Our agency is committed to keeping people safe. That's that's our, our our number one job, keeping you safe in your car. So please check uh, for recalls using our VIN lookup tool or any other way you can. And um, um, and if you need to complain about your vehicle, please uh, send us a, a get on our website and, and write down that complaint. Call our hotline. 
Um, but our job is to keep people safe every day, and that's what we do. So glad to glad to, have to talk to you about all the stuff. Uh, yeah, Stephen, thanks uh, for sharing this time and this uh, information with me and the listeners. And uh, as as I always do for people who want to find out more information, I'll just remind them, um, Stephen, about the NHTSA.gov website. And there's uh, lots of good information there. You can forward slash recalls if you want to know specifically about whether your car uh, has a recall on it. Um, Stephen, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Tom. Pleasure talking to you. All right. Take care. That was Dr. Stephen Ridella from the Office of Defects Investigation at the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight up. <music> comes along that's spreading like a plague and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague. Well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us in a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July. A super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. And if you got a better cough in your arm, and if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918, influenza had its run. But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I. Today we have mass media and scientists to say, if you don't want this virus, well then stay six feet away. Super damn important that we practice isolation, because we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation. We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation. It's super damn important that we practice isolation. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. The Tom Summer Program.com. Baby. 
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. AAA is, uh, well, they celebrated their 100th anniversary in 2016. Um, And from time to time, I get uh, uh, press releases and things, and I try and share some of that with you. Um, A a recent uh, survey done by AAA suggests, and, and I have to say I'm not entirely shocked by this, but men are more aggressive behind the wheel. And we're going to talk about that and some other things about driving and driving tips with um, Adrian Woodland from uh, AAA, who joins me now by phone. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you for having me. Were you as shocked as uh, I am that uh, men were found to be more aggressive behind the wheel? Um, personally, I was not. I was actually not surprised <laughs> either. I wasn't either, but there were some interesting things in the survey. Um, for example, um, speeding is, is being one of the more aggressive behaviors. And women really aren't that far behind men when it comes to that. No, and actually that was one of the things, parts of the survey that actually did surprise me, is although you know the percentages for men were higher, the women were not lagging very far behind. For instance, when it comes to speeding, um, one of the areas was driving 15 miles over the speed limit on a freeway. 52% of males uh, admitted that they had done that, whereas almost 45% of females admitted. So it's you know it's not it's a very small difference uh, between males and females in a category like speeding. Now I was uh let's see one of the uh one of the areas I was kind of interested in was the making of rude gestures or honking at <laughs> other drivers and I can only assume that that means men are more likely to flip someone off than women but I was surprised that women 28% of them might honk yes. or make a rude gesture I thought that was kind of high for women yeah, I, I was actually surprised at that myself as well. Uh, and on the men's side, it's a little over 35% for that same. And I thought that uh, seemed a little low. <laughs> well. That, that's just my reaction to it, Adrienne. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't really looking for a comment. I just, um, it's, it's just my opinion. But, mm-hmm. but, that, but that stems from the fact that People are taking their stresses into the car with them more now than I ever remember. Um, it, it seems like people are kind of uptight when they're driving. Is that, do, do you kind of get the same sense or is there a, a survey that, that backs that up? Yeah, you know, one of the things that we found with this survey is regardless of gender, Nearly eight in ten Americans, or seventy-nine percent, have de- demonstrated aggressive behaviors behind the wheel. Whether it's speeding, red light running, and cutting other drivers off, it can kill you, your passengers, and others on the roadway. Driving aggressively isn't worth the risk. When you get behind the wheel, 
drivers need to be patient, be kind, and obey traffic laws so that everyone gets home safely. Here's here's one that I think we've maybe we've all done at one time or another. I know I certainly have. Um, it's it's considered aggressive driving to switch lanes quickly and or very close behind another car or or I would assume in front of as well. Um, and and I have found myself doing that because all of a sudden I'm surprised my exit has come up on the expressway. And so I I try to, to thread the needle and get over to the lane I need to be in to, to use the exit. And I have cut people off, not not intentionally, but just at the last minute, just scrambling, I sort of panicked. Um, I imagine everybody has done that at a time, at one time or another. But really, the right thing to do is to just go ahead and bite the bullet and go down to the, the next exit, turn around, come back, and then get off at the exit, right? Yes, cer- certainly. And some of the AAA rules of the road, Um, that we provide is, you know, follow posted speed limits, maintain an adequate following distance, use your turn signals, allow others to merge, uh, use your high beams responsibly, and be considerate in parking lots. Park in one spot, not across multiple spaces, and be careful not to hit cars next to you with your doors. So just some of those things, if you can just remember some of those things, it helps you know, on the roadway. And certainly if you encounter an aggressive driver on the road or even find your temper rising, remember to slow yourself down, breathe deeply, and safely create distance between you and other motorists. Aggressive drivers are likely not thinking about their potential impact on others until it's too late. Well, yeah, because, you know, a lot of times people will feel like they're they're rushed because they they have a list of things they want to get done very quickly or they're late for an appointment or something so they speed they cut in front of people they um you know are more apt to uh follow too closely or or um you know drive through a red light i've i've had some turn on me it seems like i was halfway through um but again it's it's stuff that we do when we're not thinking. And, and the real lesson in this survey is think when you're driving, right? And Yes, definitely. And, you know, one of the things with this uh, survey coming out when it, you know, at the time of the year that it's coming out, holidays are already a stressful time of the year. And it was already stressful enough prior to a pandemic. So this season, we expect tensions are likely to be elevated on the roadways, and we're just trying to warn drivers to avoid aggression when behind the wheel. And some of those aggressive behaviors, like we've already discussed, are speeding, tailgating, red light running, honking, or making rude gestures. Those are just some examples of aggressive behavior. And, you know, AAA encourages drivers to maintain a cool head and focus on reaching their destination safely. And we want to offer a couple of tips to help prevent road rage. First is don't offend. Never cause another driver to change their speed or direction. And that means not forcing another driver to use their brakes 
or turn the steering wheel in response to something you have done. Second, be tolerant and forgiving. The other driver may just be having a really bad day. Assume that it's not personal. And lastly, do not respond. Avoid eye contact. Don't make gestures. Maintain space around your vehicle and contact 911 if needed. Yeah, there there may be a time when you come up against another driver who is being very aggressive and, and maybe being rude. And the answer isn't to flip them off. Definitely and, not. And make them more angry. Um, perhaps that's that's a time when you need to, you know, just, just kind of steer your way out of the situation and, and maybe report it to the police if it's aggressive enough. Yes, certainly. Um, do you think because of the pandemic, Adrian, that uh, that maybe there'll be a little less traffic and rushing around as people are maybe shopping more online and, and more inclined to stay in? Um, that's certainly a possibility. Uh, you know, the holidays are definitely going to look different than they have in years past. Uh, even Black Friday looks different with a lot of retailers offering no specials a day earlier and online. So it's possible that you may not have the crowds that you had in years past, uh, but it's also possible that you may see, you know, crowds around the malls and other areas. You know, one thing we tell drivers is, you know, always be alert, always be alert, know your surroundings, and definitely, you know, let cooler heads prevail. I mentioned earlier that, um, that, AAA puts out a lot of useful information, and uh, one of the things that comes to mind are the uh, is the tracking of gas prices. And I uh, I get those notices, and I I try to share them from time to time when I can. Um, but what are some of the other uh, reports and, and surveys that AAA does? Well, our AAA. Uh, sorry, hold on one second. Um, I'm sorry, our AAA Traffic Safety Foundation does a lot of research like this aggressive driving uh, research. We also do a lot of research when it comes to autonomous vehicles. We do surveys mm -hmm. like that. Uh, traffic safety, we do a lot of information on traffic safety, whether it's distracted driving, uh, impaired driving. So those are some of the, the type of topics that you'll see information from AAA on. And and can the general public access this information? Oh, sure. They can go to AAA.com. It's that easy. Do you have links to all the things? Because I noticed for the um, uh, this aggressive uh, driving survey, you have a uh, Prevent Road Rage uh, page at your website. Yes. Yes, that's actually AAA.com slash Prevent Road Rage. And, and, there, and you can all... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, Adrian. No, and also on AAA.com, you can find information about varying surveys that our AAA Traffic Safety Foundation has done over the years and throughout the course of 2020. And gas prices and, and lots more. Um, yes. Adrian, thank you so much for spending a little time to talk about this, and uh, um, happy holidays to you and yours, and uh, safe driving. Thank you. That was uh, Adrian Woodland, a spokesperson for uh, AAA, talking about a survey they did, which shockingly says men are more aggressive behind the wheel 
than women, but not a whole lot more. Anyway, uh, we'll take a uh, short break, and we'll be back with more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead. The Tom Sumner Program.com 